0: This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Speaking of Asia podcast by the Straits Times. This is Ravi Velour, and I'm an associate editor and Asia columnist for the paper, as well as ST's former foreign editor. This series of podcasts focuses on Asian issues and Dissel's experience from four decades of covering the continent. In this episode, I focus on the massive explosion of wealth in Asia and the flood of bankers charging in to chase this money, which I like to think of as the Great Asian Gold Rush. Now, that's a bit of a rhetorical flourish, I must admit. The first Great Gold Rush was, of course, the phenomenon seen in California and the Sierra Nevada after the yellow metal was first found in the region in January 1848. News of this find sparked the California gold rush. Many of us in Asia wear Levi's jeans, unaware that the first Levi's were made from canvas and supplied to miners prospecting for gold in California. During the California gold rush, people looking for fortune came from as far as Hawaii and even China. More than 170 years later, the boot is on the other foot, so to speak. Americans, British, and other Europeans are flooding into Asia to tap into the wealth being generated by China and other Asian nations such as India, Indonesia, South Korea, and Japan, not to speak of Singapore. China alone generates a billionaire every three days or so. According to Forbes magazine, China has gained a stunning 239 billionaires since March 2020. That brings its total to 626 billionaires. To see how much China has gained in the U.S. in this regard, do note that the United States has 724 billionaires. And if you add Hong Kong's 71 billionaires and Macau's 1 billionaire to China's score, it takes its total billionaire count to 698 billionaires. Last year, that number was just 456. Outside of the United States and China, another country has broken into the third spot, supplanting Germany, that is India, with 140 billionaires. According to Forbes, India gained 19 new billionaires since March last year. All this keeps the Asia-Pacific region leading the list with a record of 1,149 billionaires which is 370 more than last year. Today, Beijing has more billionaires than any other city in the world including New York. Other statistics put the number of the massively wealthy even higher. The Huron Rich List is another key tracker of wealth. As of this March, according to Huron, China alone had 1,058 billionaires while India has 209, which is more than half of the world's billionaires now live in Asia. But you do not need to be a billionaire to be very rich. For the past quarter century, the Consultancy Capgemini's World Wealth Report has been one of the most referenced studies on the subject of the very rich, or high net worth individuals. These are people with wealth exceeding 30 million American dollars. According to the World Wealth Report, the Asia-Pacific has surpassed Europe in 2009 and North America in 2015 as a region with the world's highest population of high net worth individuals. Capgemini's latest report was released on the 29th of June. While it does suggest that North America has nudged past the Asia-Pacific once again, this is only because of the surge in U.S. stock prices led by technology stocks. The reason is simple. North American wealthy people tend to put 38% or more than a third of their investments in stocks. The equivalent figure for Asia-Pacific is just 22%. This is why North America is back on top, but it's likely to be a temporary phenomenon. As you know, the U.S. equity markets benefited from the $2 trillion of government stimulus packages and the Federal Reserve's announcement of unlimited quantitative easing. However, if you include wealth in the so-called Middle East, which is really Western Asia the way I see it, then the Asia Pacific indeed retains its status as the region with the world's richest. UBS, the biggest Swiss private bank, was one of the earliest to catch the trend and respond. Edmund Coe, the Asia Pacific president of UBS, tells me that in the year 2020, assets managed by his bank out of Asia rose by 110 billion US dollars more than a third of UBS's first quarter global profit before tax was made in the Asia Pacific that translates to about 900 million US dollars we are not talking of loose change here but really serious money all of this is feeding a huge rush from other global institutions to manage this wealth And this is why I see a reversal of what took place in mid 19th century California. Take City, the New York headquartered financial services giant. This year, it got a new CEO when Jane Fraser, a former McKinsey consultant was named to the position. Within 46 days of taking over, Ms. Fraser announced a new strategy for the bank That will see it exit much of its consumer banking business in Asia so as to focus on managing the money of wealthy Asians. Citi already ranks amongst the top wealth managers in Asia with around 300 billion American dollars in assets under management, and that's after a record year for regional net new money flows. Now it is reaching for more, or take HSBC whose full name is Hong Kong and Shanghai Banking Corporation. It was set up in 1865 to finance trade between Europe and Asia. Like Citi, it has plans to bulk up its wealth management unit, although it is not giving up its consumer franchise. HSBC Chief Executive Officer Noel Quinn sees wealth management as a steadier source of revenue than lending and trading. To boost its push into Asia, it is planning to hire more than 5,000 new wealth planners over the next three to five years to grow its Asia business. A lot of HSBC's focus is on China, whose number of millionaires have forecast to double in the next five years, according to the bank's projections. And it's a similar story at Standard Chartered, HSBC's regional rival. Like HSBC, Standard Chartered is also headquartered in London although it makes most of its money in Asia. According to the South China Morning Post, Standard Chartered is seeking to double the size of its business serving affluent clients in Asia. It plans to hire or promote 3,000 relationship managers and wealth specialists over the next five years to cater to the region's rising incomes. Unlike some competitors who are only aiming for the region's wealthiest, Chanchard is putting a significant focus on those who are slightly below the top of the pyramid, the so called affluent clients. These are customers with 100,000 to 125,000 American dollars to invest. Depending on the market, clients with between a million and five million 5 million US dollars are eligible for its priority private service, which offers a higher level of personalized solutions. And if you have more than 5 million, you can access its private bank. Analysts who follow these companies are positive on these moves. In the middle of June, Citi raised HSBC stock to a buy because it thought that HSBC's wealth business in Asia was underappreciated by the investing community. City estimates that HSBC's Asia wealth business alone could be valued at $72 billion to $96 billion American dollars, or as much as 75% of its market capitalization. Now you see the logic of what Jane Fraser is doing at Citi. The list is long and it's lengthening. Big and small, everyone I talk to has a story to tell about this rush to wealth. Deutsche Bank recently hired three former HSBC executives to join its wealth management arm in Southeast Asia. That includes Terence Leong, who joins as group head for Southeast Asia. Wealth management centers like Dubai, Hong Kong and Singapore are gaining from these flaws. Many well-paying jobs are being created. Assets under management in Singapore were 2.5 trillion US dollars in 2017. As of the end of 2020, this had risen to 3.5 trillion US dollars. That is a 17% increase from the 2019 figure. According to Ravi Menon, Managing Director of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, this was driven by strong inflows into traditional and alternative investment strategies. Valuation gains from major asset markets also played a role in this increase. Financial services and fintech created 2,500 jobs last year in Singapore and it is expected to create 6,500 jobs this year in 2021. There are many opportunities in areas like technology, wealth management, corporate banking, and insurance. If you are motivated, good with numbers, and prepared to work long hours, this is a good time to be a wealth manager in Asia. And given that so much work is done from your own home these days, You can even continue wearing your Levi's. Never mind that instead of canvas, they're made from denim these days. So I'll say, seize the day. Until next month then. This is Ravi Velour saying goodbye. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcastsbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3.